Hi, sorry about the delay. Today we are going to talk briefly about Odisha's plan of planting mangroves along its coastline, Japan's proposal of a four-day working week, the legal standing on vaccine hesitancy, and lastly, we'll be talking a little more than the current events surrounding the Jammu and Kashmir meeting with the center. Let's get started. So Odisha has planned to raise mangroves along its coastline because it's one of the most cyclone-prone states and planting mangroves will help act as a barrier and it also helps in carbon sequestration, which will contribute to efforts taken on tackling climate change. Next, the Meghalaya High Court held that vaccination by force violates the fundamental right to livelihood. The order was a response to the authorities in few areas, making it conditional for shopkeepers and taxi drivers to resume business. The court placed on record the importance of getting vaccinated and advised displaying vaccinated statuses of employees, but stressed that the burden of quelling misinformation and hesitancy falls on the government and they cannot resort to threats. Japan's government has proposed an option for a four-day working week in their annual economic policy guidelines. This is to provide a work-life balance for people so that they can study alongside or take up another job. The companies can retain experienced staff who might otherwise want to leave to take care of the elderly. And lastly, a three-day holiday might boost spending and fare well for their economy. Lastly, the Jammu and Kashmir representatives met the government on the 24th and both sides emphasized that it was a positive meeting and reaffirmed their commitment to peace and development. A delimitation process has been proposed before conducting assembly elections. So delimitation is a process by which boundaries of territorial constituencies are fixed after a census to ensure equal representation among equal segments of population. And usually the seats in the Lok Sabha and State Assembly increase or decrease after delimitation exercise. The Jammu and Kashmir representatives are in favor of this, but also reiterated their defiance on the abrogation of Article 370, which will be litigated in court. So there was a lot of debate about the abrogation of 370 in 2019, the contents of it and the unilateral manner in which it was repealed. But here I want to present a brief context in which in which these conversations should likely be taking place. So Kashmir was a part of the Mauryan Empire 2300 years ago with a widespread influence of Buddhism. Around 5th to 14th century, many Hindu dynasties ruled Kashmir until it came under the influence uh, of Islam in the 14th century and most people, including the ruler, converted to Islam. Akbar from the Mughal Empire captured Kashmir in 1586 then Afghans defeated Mughals, Sikhs defeated Afghans under Maharaja Ranjit Singh, and finally after his death, Britishers installed Dogra rulers in Kashmir. These Dogras were feudal lords or chieftains under the Sikhs before this. The Dogra ruler Maharaja Gulab Singh paid 75 lakhs to the British for Kashmir and owed his allegiance to them. Now when the partition happened in 1947, the then ruler was Maharaja Hari Singh, who wanted to remain neutral and not accede to either India or Pakistan. At the same time, there was a political party called the National Conference founded by Sheikh Abdullah, which sought a self-rule of Kashmir and a system of constitutional monarchy, like England. Muhammad Ali Jinnah claimed that since around 75% of the population was Muslim, Kashmir should join Pakistan. Maharaja Hari Singh was not sure since he himself was a Hindu ruler. And so he signed a standstill agreement with Pakistan, which is basically status quo. While it was in the process for the negotiation of a similar agreement with India, there was a tribal rebellion that took place in Poonch sector, 
against the state army and there was also communal violence against muslims as a consequence of the partition riots pakistan supported these pashtun tribesmen and invaded kashmir on october 22nd of 1947 upon this hari singh sought the help of the indian government and at the time india placed a condition that help will be given provided they signed the instrument of accession the maharaja signed it but pakistan did not accept this saying the ruler was under duress now india sends military help and this becomes the indo-pak war of 1947-48 the army manages to constrain the fighters to the northern areas and during this time a provisional government called azad kashmir is set up in the western areas that is supported by pakistan in 1948 nehru presents the kashmir issue in the un and the security pa- council passed a resolution asking pakistan to withdraw its nationals from kashmir india was to maintain only a minimal force for law and order and lastly a plebiscite was proposed to ascertain the will of the people the key point here though is that these are non binding resolutions and pakistan did not withdraw its troops next flashpoint is the shimla agreement of 1972 where it was decided that the issue will be resolved bilaterally between both the countries without the help of any third party and the ceasefire line of 1948 became the line of control that is the loc which is a de facto indo-pak border now coming to article 370 sheikh abdullah and gopal swami ayangar drafted this law into the constitution to temporarily give some allowances to the state of kashmir because of the circumstances then the un involvement vulnerable border situation etc there were many against this in the constituent assembly notably ambedkar and vallabhbhai patel so in 1950 indian constitution came into effect 1951 kashmir's constitution came into effect and the kashmir constituent assembly was dissolved in 1954 this point becomes the cradle of issues that we are dealing with now so there was a lot of back and forth between nehru and abdullah regarding the kashmir issue until nehru died in 1964 but finally under indira gandhi an accord was signed in 1974 where he conceded his demand for a plebiscite which is basically a vote by the people on an important question like brexit now coming to the militancy in 1987 assembly elections were held and it was alleged to be rigged by the national conference and congress party there were protests and strikes and this period of strife was taken advantage of by pakistan which promoted two separatist terrorist organizations called hizbul mujahideen and the jammu and kashmir liberation front many young kashmiris were recruited trained across the border for this cause then in 1990s the exodus of kashmiri pandits took place who were a minority in the region and were targeted by islamic insurgents and to curb this militancy the indian government imposed the armed forces special powers act which gives sweeping powers to the army and to some extent the militancy reduced in 2004 but the region clearly is still not free of violence so this is the brief history and i'm not sure how affected the people on ground are by the abrogation than they are by the militancy the violence increased in the immediate aftermath of the abrogation because of the communication blackout that made it difficult to trace the communication between militants but the latest i read a senior army officer has said that violence has reduced by over 50% and that there has to be a political will to establish self sustaining institutions to ensure peace and development there are however still incidents of soldiers unarmed police personnel shopkeepers and politicians getting killed 
And this gets even complicated with the contention of Aksai Chin between Ladakh and China, especially in the current state of things. Article 370, I think, had to go, owing to its temporary nature. But what remains is the issue of militancy. And this requires trust building by the Indian government amongst the people of Jammu and Kashmir, who bear the burden of actions taken due to electoral pressures from both countries. Thanks for listening. Bye.